0: Take your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Well, I'll have other verses that will kind of complement Colossians 1, but we're going to be mainly focusing and studying Colossians 1. And uh, I, I'm, I'm calling this a spiritual checkup. Uh, we're talking on the Sunday. I talked about search my heart, search me, O God. We talked about that in Psalms 139, 23, and 24. Uh, but sometimes, you know, we get the idea that I'm doing okay, and I, I don't want to just do a self-evaluation of like we look in the mirror and say, I think I'm, think I'm good, but I really want to do a deep dive into what God says we should, we should be coming out of our Christian life. So if you guys are like me, I'm, I, this, uh, this year, right now, I'm 45 years. Does, when you get older, is it hard to keep track of your age? Is that just me? Is that just... Because anyways, I'm 45 years old, and, I, and I'll confirm with my wife about that when I get home, but I, I'm 45 years old. And uh, I can say that I've been, church, I've been in church my whole life. Literally, I've, I was brought up in church, went here or went to church since I was uh, literally born into the nursery, and it's been my whole life. So sometimes you have the idea that I'm a strong Christian because of the longevity of the time that you've been going to a facility. You know. But the thing is, you can take the same illustration of a kid that all the way from K four through you know twelfth grade, and you can say, "Wow, they must be really smart." But they could have not learned anything. Just going through the motions of it doesn't make you spiritually mature. So on Sunday, I'm preaching on revival and God reviving our hearts and stirring us up. And I just want to take this deeper. I'll ask you guys this: Don't answer out loud. Don't raise your hand. But I'm going to ask you these questions. And the question that I'm going for is: Are you growing? Are you growing? Would you say? that from where God saved me to where I'm at now, that I'm further in my Christian walk? Could you say with what, in the past year that you've grown in your faith, you've grown in your knowledge of God, you've grown in your, your witness for God, those kind of things? And, and for some people, we even say, what does that even mean? You know, I'm like that I read four chapters a night instead of three, that I pray for 12 minutes instead of 10. You know, what does that mean? That I, you know, how do I measure that? Or what, what's going on to be able to get that? And like I said, sometimes we measure it by attendance, or I, I, I give faithfully, or I'm a tither in the church, right? I serve in the church, and things like that. But it gets deeper. as to like, why do you come to church? What, do you, what are you wanting to get out of it? Why do you read your Bible? Why grow in knowledge? All these things that we're looking at. So Colossians was written by Paul. It was written to the church of Colossus. It was a church like Fellowship Baptist, a gathering of people. Paul would write the letters to encourage them. And he was writing this letter to encourage them in their faith and in their spiritual walk. So look with me in verse 1, and we'll start there, and then we'll work our way down. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ that are in Colossus. Okay, notice this, right off the bat, what he's about to say to them and talk to them about. He's talking to the faithful brethren. So I would say, and I don't know all of you in here, but I would say that for the fact that you came on a Wednesday night to come to church, study your Bible, you're probably part of that faithful brethren, all right? You're, you're, I want to know more. I'm coming to a Bible study. I want to learn more about God. So I don't want you thinking with what he's saying here that this was far off to like the, the heathen that had nothing to do with God. To the, to the faithful brethren that are in Colossus, uh, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a general, he gives a lot of encouragement as he opens this up and he starts talking through this. But verse three, he said, We give thanks to God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for to all the saints. So that is one of the outward manifestations of your walk with God. If you're walking with God, you're going to have a love for others. You know, First John talks about that. If you were to do a study of that, First John talks a lot about that. But now we're going to jump down to verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now we get into the spiritual examination. Now where he's saying hey, I know you guys love God and I know you're the faithful saints and I know that you're zealous towards good things, but he said, here's the desire of God for you. And we'll break all this down as we get in this. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord into to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to the glorious power unto the patience and long suffering with joyfulness. So he's talking about walking with God and all these things and seizing Christians and talking about their love and all this. But then he goes into detail as about the desire that God has for them, or Paul was saying, the desire that I have for you is spiritual mentor, spiritual leader. And he mentioned this over and over again. He said, uh, and I don't know if I'm saying this name right in verse 7, as you learned of Ephorus, our dear fellow servant, who is your faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Uh, Again, he's talking about the love of God that they had for God and for each other. And I think that I mentioned that a couple of Sundays ago about the importance of it. it's got to start with a love. If you, don't, if you don't love God, if you don't start with that relationship, if you don't have that drive in your life, you're never going to want to dig deeper into the Bible. I've given you guys this illustration, but it, it, it is very fitting. When me and Jenny were dating, we wrote letters to each other. I would dig into it. I would read it three, four times. I I I just did that. I just I was I wanted to see if I missed something, and I I I noticed the times that she signed it differently. Your friend, and then she she upgraded one night to love Jenny. That was a cool night, okay? And you say you're just stupid. No, I noticed that. I noticed when it went to, and then it went to uh, uh, I love you, Jenny, and then she went to your future wife, when we were, and I'm telling you, I was like, whoa, baby, you know, this is, this is awesome. It's just, but I noticed, I noticed when I was reading the letters, and I would come across, and she would, and she would do the explanation point, but she would do it with a heart. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, I know that's kind of juvenile now, but back then, it was really cool, because we were just dating, and I was trying to, like, you know, pull her in with my charm, and all that stuff, and I didn't have a lot to work with, so I was desperate. So when, when I saw like she was like, engaged in that, that was cool. And I, and I think for us, if, if you love God, and I know that's so cliche to say, but when, when you read things and you're growing and you discover things that are different and powerful, you won't be like, oh, I read my three chapters and I'm trying to read through the Bible, so I read my three chapters. All of a sudden you read the fourth chapter just because you got engaged in what you were reading. Do you guys know what I'm saying? It, it, something happens. Something transitions. You get lost in prayer. You get caught up in praise. You get caught up in worship music. There's, it hits your heart. It hits your mind. It, it, it has an effect on you. And, and I, I think sometimes we get stagnant. We lose. We, we miss out on the, the effect that the Bible is supposed to have on us. You know why? Because I've heard it so much. 45 years I've been in church. You know, if somebody says, turn your Bible to blah, 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 like, I, I know what they're going to preach on, usually. I mean, you, know, you have an idea of what the passage is going to be like, but we get stagnant. I get jealous of new converts that will come to me and have their Bible all marked up with like little pieces of paper and say, oh, 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 what about this verse? I read this and it's, it's so cool, but I don't fully understand it. And I'm thinking, why don't the ones that are like older in the faith, you know, do we lose that? Do we lose that? And, and it, shouldn't it be, if you were to coach a young couple and say, would you tell them when they got married and say, now here's what's going to happen, it will slowly get boring, and after a while you'll just lose all the passion, and you just let it die out, and when Valentine's Day comes around, you'll just be like, uh, happy Valentine's, babe, and you know there won't be date nights or any. You know what I'm saying? You would never tell them, just let it die out. You know why? Because love grows, gets stronger, becomes more passionate. So why in the world would our relationship with God not grow, become more passionate and exciting? Because the truth of the matter is, I, I've gotten to learn about them for 45 years, and you're never going to exhaust Scripture, and you're never going to get bored with it. So it should become more passionate after time, but instead, it often goes the other way, and it shouldn't. Verse 9 again, let's get into this. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and of all wisdom and wisdom and understanding. said desire. Desire is literally like, this is the goal. I think of that because on Sundays, I truly want to see God. I am preaching on this Sunday and I'm not gonna preach it now, but I'm telling you, the Bible talks about constantly about seeking God. It's not hide and seek. He's not running from us. But there is a thing about us drifting from him and God wanting us to pursue back to him. God desires for us to seek him, to have a passion, to be in his presence and a passion and desire to watch and see him work. And I think Paul was talking to them and he says with desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of God and not just know this stuff, but to have deeper meaning with it, meaning it's not enough to remain where you're at spiritually. It, uh, he has more for you than that. He says this, does not just say to be filled with knowledge. says, but my desire is that you be filled with knowledge of his will. The will is the will or the plan that God has for them. It's, it's it knowledge of his will is a knowledge of the desire that God has, a knowledge of what God wants to do with us in our lives. None of us should walk out of here and not know what the will of God is for our lives. And I know that that gets complicated Man, it gets complicated when we pray, and people will say, just, just pray for God's will. And anyways, we'll get into that later. Uh, but sometimes the will of God is, though, that he wants you to grow in knowledge. He wants you to step out, get out of the boat. He, he wants you to, to love him more tomorrow than you love them today. And that's what he's talking about, knowledge of his will. He wants you to be filled with that. The word filled means to level up or to furnish, to accomplish, to supply. So let me put it like this. God wants you to have a knowledge of his will and to be filled up or completely in every aspect of your life, every aspect of your life. It's it's not a Sunday thing, and I know I say that all the time, but it's not just a Sunday thing, but it's how do I live out Jesus Christ on Monday? And how do I talk to my two-year-old or 18-year-old about Jesus on Tuesday and display Jesus Christ? And how do I deal with those people that frustrate you and show Jesus Christ? How do, how do you do that? It should be every aspect of your life to be filled with that. And I think sometimes we're satisfied with the, the, the Sunday Christian person and the Monday whatever person. Paul confronts the church sometimes about them being babes in Christ. I, I don't want my kids to be babes in Christ. I don't want them to be babes in life when it comes to this. I want them to... When it comes to life, I think about, I want them to grow up in all things. So I teach my kids to work, and I teach them to respect women, and I teach them to respect authority, and I teach them to respect police officers, and I teach them how to change a tire and change their oil and all these other things, because I want them to be able to one day lead a family. So what it is, is as a dad, the desire of them that I look at every aspect of their life, and I want to make sure that they're completed in those things. And I think every parent has that desire. But God was saying the same thing about them as Christians. It's not just job and education, these things, but every aspect of their life to have this fullness of God. Kids that have no purpose have not been taught what their purpose is. You know, they've got to be taught that this is, you're growing up to be a leader or whatever. And the same thing, if we're not grabbing onto the purpose that God has, then we live out our lives with no purpose. It says in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Wisdom is app- applying the knowledge to your life. So here's where things begin to change. We can grow up and know so much about the Bible, but it's not just brain knowledge of facts and things. How many of us can sit there and say, I know the books of the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, number, and we brag about doing that. When I was a teenager, we had a competition in church, whatever it was, or in, in uh, Awana, to, to, to learn the books of the Bible forward and backwards, we, we literally could quote them forward and backwards, and we had. But I think sometimes we know the Romans wrote in John 3:16 so much, it's not just knowledge, but it's, it's talking about wisdom. Does anybody know the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge is knowing. Wisdom is applying. Knowledge is knowing, but wisdom is applying. Morgan right now is learning to drive, and uh, she's doing good. Um, she is, uh, will be having her driver's license in like four months, and that is crazy to think about. And she's read the book. But reading the book and knowing that you make a right turn, you know, uh, when the light is all this, and actually applying that when she's out there is two different things. So there's a difference between having a knowledge of the Word of God and learning how to live out the Word of God, especially when it comes to things like our anger and stuff. I, I had uh, trigonometry in, in high school, and you think, you're too dumb to learn trigonometry. You are absolutely right. I don't know how I made it through the class whatsoever. And I can say that I had a knowledge of the thing, but I've never used one thing that I've learned from the class because I had a knowledge, but I didn't have wisdom to apply it in my life. So we've got to take it past this. So this is what spiritual maturity looks like. And we're, so we're going to do this self-evaluation, okay? So we read through these verses. Verse 10, okay, spiritual maturity looks like this, or I could say being filled with the knowledge of God looks like this, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. The word walk, which a lot of you guys already know, means to live out. I wanted to teach you how to live this out, and it says in all pleasing. Note how it says in all pleasing. This is in every aspect of my life. So here's the self-evaluation. Number one, according to scripture, and you just don't answer these out loud, this is just a spiritual checkup, okay? Number one, is your life pleasing to God? Is your life pleasing to God? Is, is, is God pleased with your life of where you're at? Remember when I was talking about Sunday, about how God calls the shots, about humble yourself. If you're gonna say, search me, oh God, and, and know my heart, that that starts with humility. And when, when we start thinking about the way that we're living and the way that we're living out our lives, we, we'd say, Is God pleased with? Is God pleased with your relationship with Him? And I, and I know it'd be different if you sat down with God, but I'm just saying, when you evaluate the last week that you've had and you think about the relationship that you've had with God, of how much time that you've talked to Him, the faith that you express, the love for others that you've expressed, when you think about the time that you spent in prayer or the days that you skipped prayer, Or the time that you dove into the Bible, would it be pleasing to God? Is is God pleased with your passion for him? And I think of Revelation when he said, if you are lukewarm, what did he say he'll do? Spew you out of my mouth. What what, what is the description of that? It's gross. You know, it's like, I've used this illustration before about when we were in Alabama, we were construction And I would go to the cooler and grab a Coke or something, and I'd start drinking, and I'd put it out on the scaffold or whatever, and I'd walk around the corner and come back to it. What happens when that can of Coke sits in the heat or in the sun? It gets warm. You go to take a drink of it, and it's just just instantly this nasty taste in your mouth, and you just spit it out. And I just think about what God was saying when he was... And there's a lot of meaning to that, but it's just it's gross, that apathy. And, 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 And the apathy is just this. If you we to take something, a drink, and if I was to set it in here and it was hot or if it was cold, all I have to do is let it sit. And what happens when it sits? It just becomes room temperature. And what is room temperature? It feels like everything else in the room. And that's what he was talking about. So if I went up to a Christian and I was to experience a Christian and it was that piping hot cup of coffee, he would sit there and say, wow, there's, there's something going on in that room that is different than everything else that I fear, feel it. If there was ice coffee and I felt it, whatever, you would sit there and go, wow, that's really cold. It feels different than everything else. But if you let it sit, it adapts to the temperature of the room. And all of a sudden, we become no different. And that's what he's talking about, that passion for God. There should be a passion. So is God pleased with your passion? Or do we just become apathetic? It's like nothing excites us anymore. Nothing drives us in our worship. Nothing excites us to praise God or, or to, driven to do anything when it comes to even serving God. He says this, the next thing. So first thing, is your life pleasing to God? And Paul's emphasizing this with them. He said that ye might walk worthy of the Lord into all pleasing. Number two, being fruitful to every, in every good work. So the next question is, is your life fruitful? I know there's different meanings of that, so I'm going to explain both the meanings of what it says, being fruitful and to every good work. Uh, what is your life producing? So if you're a Christian and, and you're pulling in all these things all the time, you think about it. As Christians, we're basically sponges. We, we go to church and we soak up what the Bible says. We read our Bible and we soak up what the Bible says and we pray and we spend time with God and we soak up. But the, the point that God did that is so that you will give it out. We'll share it with others. It would be an outpouring of what God's doing in our lives. We, we don't do it just to keep it to ourselves. But the every good work... Is the term that means fruit bearing or to bear fruit or or to produce. The Bible says in John 15, 8, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So there's different aspects of it, of when the Bible talks about being fruitful. One of them is the fruits of the Spirit, that you bear fruit. If you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, it's gonna come out of you. And the fruit of the Spirit is, uh, is love and joy and peace and long suffering and gentleness and goodness. Faith and meekness and temperance against such there is no law. Um, so the question is God's is God's character being lived out in your life? Is are, are these things being witnessed by you? Are they being witnessed by your kids? How about are they being witnessed by your coworkers? Would they get around you and say that man that guy shows me grace in such a way? Now they probably wouldn't use the word grace. Or man that guy has patience like crazy and I don't know why. Or would they get around you and say, man, that guy is so kind. Or the Bible talks about the, the, the joy of the Lord. You know, I, I've wondered this. When it comes to Christians, people were drawn to Jesus. Are Christians, are, are, are the lost world, are they drawn to you? Now, I'm not just saying because, you know, you pray and they're like, oh, give me some of that holiness. Stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that. I, you know, I'm not making this weird or whatever. But I'm saying when you have a positive attitude and you have the joy of the Lord, people will want to be around you. But if you're constantly complaining and all that comes out of our mouth is, oh, I can't stand the president and this is happening here and I can't stand this, we all have opinions. But I tell you, there should be somewhat of the joy of the Lord coming out of us, if we're, especially if we're filled with the Spirit of God and we're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. There should be more being put on our Facebook and more being out of our mouth and more conversations at lunch other than politics and sports. You know Why? Because I've got more going on in my heart. Or let me say, I should have more going into my heart. And if it's in there, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You fill your mouth out with it. So that's why if you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, you're going to have gentleness and goodness and meekness. What is that? That's the fruit. That's what your life is bearing. That's what's showing in your life. So examine your life. And let me just... Throw some things out there when we talk about making application in this. Because, again, I don't just want to read this. I want to make application. Do you have an obvious love for others? I mean, do you have an obvious love for others? You know, that the fruit of the Spirit is love. The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. He literally says, if you got the Spirit of God inside of you it's going to come out in your life. And even to that, let let me take it even a step further. This is weird. Okay. I know it's weird. In my life group, we're doing a Bible study called weird. Okay. It's, 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 it's the whole Bible study is because the things that we're called to do just don't make sense. It's like, love your enemies and do good to them. The world says, write them off and unfriend them. Jesus says, but I say unto you, if they offend you, you know, go a second mile and be a blessing to them. Like, what? That's weird. Okay, it is weird. Call to be weird. We should catch the attention of the lost. You know why? Because the world is darkness and we are? We're light. It's opposite. So our, our, There should be an obvious love that you just say, well, you don't know my heart. You're right. I don't. You know, I know a fruit tree is an apple tree. How do I know that? By the fruit. By the fruit. By the fruit, you know what the you know where you see the fruit on the outside. I'm not I'm not picking the bark apart to try to see what's inside. No, there should be the evidence of the fact that you have Jesus inside of you. There's the love. Do you care for people? Do you care for people? The Bible says to be kindly and affectionate one to another. I could give you a thousand verses about caring for other people. That's it's, that's the fruit of the spirit. Are you kind to people? Bible says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ has forgiven you. That's not me saying that, but that's literally meaning that if that's what the Bible says should be there. Now, I know you say you go home and you love your kids in that way, but man, what about the irritating people you should, that you work with or whatever? I got this guy that I work with that irritates me to death. I won't mention his name. His name is Dave. And I have to love him. We, we, where I work, there's an office across, so we are passed cross a lot of times and stuff. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you got to love your enemies. The Bible says, are you happy? Think about how often it talks about the joy of the Lord. I know the joy and happiness is not the same thing, but they're related to each other, okay? Because joy is internal. And when the joy of the Lord is internal, it should come out of you. There should be an obviousness. Of, is obviousness a word? Cheryl is obvious. It is now. We just created it. Okay, if it's not. So the second form of fruit is something that's produced out of your life. So it's not just the fruit of the Spirit that's coming out when he's talking about all that. But are you fruitful? Let let me ask you this. When's the last time? Don't raise your hand. not asking you to fill out a piece of paper or anything like this. Let's just be real. When's the last time you led somebody to Christ? When's the last time you witness to somebody. I mean, just had an opportunity, just the boldness to say, I know this is weird. Can I, you know, let me just tell you, or invite them to church, you know, or it's just, when's the last time you say, man, I'm, I'm good spiritually. The Bible says that with all being fruitful, literally means that if you're, if you're pouring into your life, the things that are the spirit of God, then, then the spirit of God's doing something, love, joy, peace, long suffering. And all of a sudden that produces something, Should be coming out. We'll sit there and even be critical about church and say, "Man, it's been forever since I've been in a service where somebody's walked the aisle and accepted Jesus Christ." I don't know what's going on in our church. All right, when's the last time you invited somebody to church? Because it's hard for lost people to get saved in church if nobody brings any lost people to church. You know what I'm saying? It's just you think about it. It's just like how is how is that going to happen? You know what I'm saying? It's like we we have and the Bible says, "Man, we've got to be fruitful." If, if we're talking about going and growing in the Lord constantly, it should be that. Think about Jesus, how often he was going after people to witness to them. And, and the woman at the well, that he went out of his way, that she didn't even deserve it, but he sat there in the heat of the day for that opportunity to witness to her. Who have you invested in to help them become a stronger Christian? Who would be able to testify on a Sunday or Wednesday and just say, can I just say, and I'm not saying that it's about this. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's about the pat on the back. But could anybody stand ever and say, can I just say, thank God for so-and-so? Because man, they took me under their wing when I first got to church and I didn't know anybody. And they taught me what it meant to love my wife and what it meant to forgive others, and what it meant to let go of my past and what it meant. Could anybody say in your life, we say, I go to church, great. But it's not just going to church. The Bible talks about the fruit of our life, that there should be things coming out of our life. When's the last time you gave somebody a second chance or showed forgiveness? Somebody that didn't deserve it. When's the last time that happened? Like the woman that was caught in adultery. Let me ask you, who have you trained to be a leader? You talk about reading the Bible and Paul, Paul trained Timothy. Do you have a Timothy in your life? And and I'm not. Guys, let me tell you, I'm the pastor of the church here. My job, my full-time job is doing this stuff. And you know what I find out when I read this, <laughs> I've fallen so short. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, man, it's like, but you know, we get on that high horse, and about like, I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I'm a pretty good Christian. Like, it's like, we like to do that thing. It's like, well, how you doing? You know, I've been in this church for X amount of years. It's like, oh, okay. It's like, that stamps you as being all pleasing to God. And I, and I just say that because of me being in church my whole life. That's how we, we think about these things. Who have you shown compassion to? Think about Jesus was teaching. One of the lessons that Jesus taught was the Good Samaritan. You know what the Good Samaritan was? I'm busy. I'm going somewhere. Oh, you know what? He needs my help. That's more important than me being busy right now. You know why? Because I serve Jesus above anything else. You say, that's weird. Yeah, it's weird because we live in a culture that's so busy that we don't have time for people. But how are people ever getting experience how weird we are? And I mean that in the good sense. About how somebody will stop the schedule and cancel a meeting because somebody else needed them. Be fruitful. And then he says this that ye might walk, verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let me ask you this question Are you still growing in your faith? Are you still growing in your faith? Whether you are a senior saint or a teenager, the question is, how do we increase in the knowledge of God? We increase through Bible knowledge, not just by facts and figures of things like that, but we learn the character of God. I'm going to tell you guys, I've heard some crazy stuff being a pastor. I, and, and I mean, and, and it's just, it's, it's all of us, okay? It's, it's, our, our flesh is wicked and we think that we're okay, I, 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 you never, you never stop learning. You never do. If you date somebody, me and Jenny are about to have our 25th wedding anniversary. And it's amazing how I am still to this day learning things about my wife that I never knew even when we were dating. I could say this, that my wife is not the same girl I married 25 years ago. And I don't say that in a negative way. I I can say uh, when I first met her she was so shy that I mean she she I, and now she's on the worship team and sings specials in church and she's a teen leader and everything I'm just I've seen her grow in the Lord. And it's amazing for me to be able to be around her. The more I'm around her the more I get to learn about her character and the things that she is. I promise you you cannot have a long-term relationship with God and not continually learn how great his character is. You you will constantly you never arrive I had somebody that was missing for a while. I saw them on Sunday. This, was, this all happened years ago, so don't anybody think trying to look around the room, figuring out who this is, okay? I had somebody that came up to me, and they were gone for a while. And I said, man, I've not seen you in a while. And they said, well, I saw what your new sermon series was, and I know everything about that, so I just laid out for three weeks. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, I was like okay. I said, well, my message series was on humility, so... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know, I, I, I literally had somebody come up to me uh, and said that, uh, you know, I, I appreciate what you did, but I already know everything that you were preaching. I was like, well, that's great. I was like, it took me a week to study that. But I had one person that came up to me and said, no joke, I was stepped away from the pulpit. I was standing there at the front of the church. They walked up to me. Somebody else was standing there behind them, and the person came up and said, it's so cool that you're finally getting to my spiritual level. No joke. And I was like... The, they, that person walked away and the person behind them walked up and said, did they just say, <laughs> it was like, it was just the weirdest things. It's like, I, I, I'm telling you guys, I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been in church. You should be growing in your faith. All of us are growing. It, you know, it's, it's amazing how we learn in our faith about bringing around people. Do you know one of the coolest ways to learn more about God? I'm going to give you a couple of cool ways to learn more about God in ways that you never yet. Spend some time with some kids. Spend time with kids. Cheryl and these guys that are teachers and stuff, they have the most cool perspective of God and the questions that you would never ever think. Going with the teens and these young people and stuff like that. Here's another way. Be around new Christians. For anybody that's been saved a long time, you want to be challenging your faith, you want to learn about God. Be around new Christians. You know what a great thing to learn from new Christians is pray with them. When they sit there and say, I don't know how to pray. I don't know the words to say. I can't pray the fancy words like you do. says, thank God. I can't wait to hear you pray. Because we pray, and you guys know what I mean. It's like, Father in heaven, we come to you now. You know, it's like us Christians that have been saved forever. We, we, we almost like, but that, if you go to your father, which is in seeking, you pray to him in that, you're not going to pray like that. But when a new Christian is praying, they're sitting there just like, God, I don't know what to say. And, man, I cussed really bad yesterday. God, I told you I was sorry about it. Like, you know what I'm talking about? They're just like, whoa, that's so raw and real. And you think about it, that's what God wants is raw and real. Just God wants us to be who we are and, and authentic with that. Think about learning from other people. I'll tell you, you're gonna, you guys are gonna, it's going to be powerful if you guys can come uh, the 27th on Sunday and hear Christian Liuzzo preach. He's 17 years old. He's going to be preaching on Sunday morning. And you just say, well, I can't learn anything from him. If he's, reading, if he's preaching the Bible and he's being led of the Spirit of God, I promise you can learn something from him. I promise. I think it's important for us younger people to learn from the older people in our church. You know, you know how I know that's powerful? Because the fact is that God said it's powerful in His Word. We never stop learning. We, we never stop growing. As long as the Bible is alive, and the Bible says it's quick and powerful. The word quick means alive. It's going gonna, it's gonna to challenge us, it's going to speak to us. The more you walk with God, even through hard times, the Bible says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. It's literally walking through life of God, and just it's not so much the Bible reading of the application, but I promise you, you're going to learn a lot. I can promise you guys, I've learned a lot in the last eight months of going through this cancer trial with Logan. I've, I've learned a lot. I, I've been through a lot. I've, I've been punched in the gut, uh, emotionally speaking. I, I have cried my eyes out. I've had good days. I've, I've just been through there. But I know what it means to take my yoke upon me and learn of me, because in those times, I learned lessons that I could have never learned in Bible college to learn. It's important that we never stop growing. Let me finish with this and then just going into what they're saying. Last question Are you emotionally and spiritually strong? Now, I know we'd sit there and say, Of course I am, but it says in verse 11, and then we'll close. He says, Strengthen with might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. So the question is Are you allowing God to make you stronger? And let me give you the perfect illustration of this, and I think this is a good illustration. In Mark 14, 70, uh, you've got Peter. Peter denied Jesus Christ three times. What did Jesus? What did Peter say that he would do if he was confronted when Jesus talked to him about it? So, I'd rather die for you than to, to, to deny you. The Spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is weak. Because I don't think we realize how weak our flesh is. You know, I mean... Even going through this or deal with Logan, man, I've had times that I'm just like, man, just exhausted and spiritually just spent. And it says in Mark 14, 70, and he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood with Peter, surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and the speech agreed thereto. But he began to curse and swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. Peter literally goes from Lord, I'd rather die for you in the garden. He pulls out a sword, emotionally not even engaged with what Jesus is saying. Cut off his ear. Jesus has to clean up his mess, even on the way to the cross. You know, and then, and then he's falling apart. He goes and denies Jesus three times. And at the end of it, he literally curses. He just breaks in. And it's like, kind of like, I'll show them how much I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. He fell apart. And I, I've realized this that you don't know who you truly are until you have a little pressure put on you. And I gave that as an illustration. I, I preached with an orange one Sunday. And I talked about if you want to know what this is truly made of, all I have to do is put a little pressure on it. And what's on the inside is going to come outside. And a lot of times us as Christians, man, we're just, man, God is good and God is great. Oh, I love this worship song. And we're going down the road. It's like singing away. And then all of a sudden, we lose our job. And it's like, God hates me, and I don't know what's going on. and uh, you know, We just fall apart. You know, there's no longer all things work together for good. That's great when it's a song or a cute verse on the back of a devotional. But man, it's different. If you're not strengthened by God of what it was saying in that passage, if you're not strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, you're going to constantly fall apart. You're going to constantly be in conflict with other people, But then something happened with Peter. Peter, in Acts chapter 4, uh, 2, through the beginning of that, he talks about God using... uh, Richard, if you can go to Acts 4, 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, saith unto the rulers and people and elders, and he began to preach the gospel to them, and fire literally of revival fell on them, and, and lives were changed. What happened from that dude that literally is falling apart, cursing God, to that guy that's literally standing before the crowd saying, I don't care if you crucify me like you did Jesus. I'm going to tell you who Jesus Christ is. What a difference. You know what, you know what the difference is? The, the difference is totally when you're walking in the Spirit of God and you have the fullness of God, you're stronger. But I tell you, if you're not feeding yourself, you're not growing your relationship, you're not taking His yoke upon you and learning of me, I promise you, emotionally, we're going to fall apart. When we're dealing with other people that just make us mad, we're just going to constantly lose it. We're constantly going to be speaking our mind because we're not spiritually reined in with the power of His might, according to His glory of power. It says, unto all patience, it talks about with long-suffering, forbearance, being able to deal with people's junk, with all joyfulness of doing it, just, it makes a difference. How are you doing? Just how are you doing? I mean, when when we talk about, are, are you a fruitful Christian? Would you be able to say that your life is pleasing to God? What's coming out of your life? I mean, when, are you growing? Could you say that you're growing? Have you, are you mentoring other people? Are you leading other people? Are people drawn to you? Because I'm telling you, if you're growing in the Lord, there's going to be change in your heart. There's going to be change in your life. And I'm just saying for us that are saved and go to church and have all the pedigrees of you know, our history, of everything that we've been blessed with, then we should be growing, we should be better. Not perfect, guys, we, we never will get to the point where we're perfect.